On today's episode of Senior Quotes, we talk some NBA, college basketball, little NFL, just about everything, some MLB as well with the hot stove going on right now. And we fit in a little bachelor talk and get you an exclusive interview with Boston College's own Chris Heron Jr. of the basketball team. Let's get into it. First episode of Senior Quotes Live in the year 2019. I'm Aiden Broderick and I'm joined by my co-host Jack Coleman. Jack, how are you doing this new year? I'm doing great. We had a great break. It's good to be back though. Get things going by talking about some fun and exciting news. So over break, we got to go to ESPN Studios in New York. Yeah. Got to go to the set of Around the Horn. Got to meet all of the hosts of the show we met. Mike Greenberg to start. We Great met guy. Bomani, Pablo, Stephen A. Smith we saw walk by. It was awesome. We really, yes, really appreciated the experience uh, with Tony Reale, a guest who we've had on before. Yeah, just allowed a, us to have. Just a big thank you to Tony Reale. Um, he was so welcoming, so hospitable, and really just wanted to give us that full tour, full experience that he goes through every day that uh, he's there to work. And in fact, he was in a little early today to show us, uh, or that day, to show us all around. And met a lot of people he hadn't seen in a while you know mike greenberg he said he'd only talked to four or five times in person which sounded crazy but they've been on different schedules their entire careers at espn so just really cool things like that that we had never thought of before and got to see firsthand uh on that day so really blessed uh really awesome experience um that we were that really highlighted our break for sure yeah Um, definitely and if you haven't already there's a lot of pictures and everything from our twitter account that we posted from that day so you can catch us at ESPN it was really cool yes you can so um that's our big update for uh what went on over break um and because of that break we haven't had an up uh, an uploaded episode in about four weeks now uh but we're really excited to get back to the normal schedule um we will be live next week as well and so on and so forth yeah everything should be good now uh further updates for the new year if you're listening to this live now the actual episode of this podcast on the podcast app or soundcloud should also have a interview with chris heron jr that's right the basketball player here at bc his dad played in the nba so we're going to be talking with him getting an interview there sometime this week so we'll attach that with this episode when it goes live also we are going to be getting some more hands-on experience in the studio so we're hoping to get some call-ins going soon yep hoping to get some more sound effects and everything getting going and we'll update you more with more interviews and guests coming on soon. So there's a lot of stuff to look forward to for Senior Quotes in the new year. Yeah, we're not going to spoil or hint at the other guests, but for now we're just going to say Chris Heron should... Uh, we'll probably put it at the end of this episode. We haven't really discussed that yet. We'll, we'll figure it out yeah, during definitely. editing. But um, yeah, and we're also going to you know maybe feature a few... Uh, little games as well in this episode to mix it up uh one thing that i was not expecting to happen uh coming back to school this semester was to get into the bachelor big Um, bachelor i got everyone into it yeah and i'm not ashamed to say that because we've got a whole group watching that now so we're gonna do a minute or two at the end of the show about that we're gonna do maybe some hot seat 
Uh, slowly and surely turning into PMT here, obviously. But, yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> that's all right. It is what it is. We're just following greatness there. All right, so let's get into the uh, actual show and get into our quotes. So, Jack, I feel like I usually lead off. I'll give you uh, the, the rights to lead off, especially because... I feel like you have the winning record here so far. I'm not totally sure, but uh, but you can get first win in the new year though. That's so. true. That's huge. Big yeah. stuff. I remember that was a big deal last year. That was. So yeah, go for it. So you can lead us off. I'm gonna start out with a college basketball quote. All right. Okay. Here we go. He's like Charles Barkley was, except he can shoot, and he's not as fat. Who said it? And who's it about? Um, are I I think. I just immediately when I hear just college basketball, and I just think everybody thinks immediately when they hear college basketball this year that it has to be about Zion Williamson. And that description mm-hmm. definitely sounds like it fits him. So I'm gonna say that, and I'm yeah, gonna say half point there. And then who said it? Just the Charles Barkley comparison with a little bit of jokes in makes me think immediately Shaquille O'Neal. Clo- I mean, not. I mean, that's a good guess, but it's actually Jim Beheim because Syracuse upset Duke last that's right. night. That's right. Big overtime win, 95-91. At Cameron Indoor Stadium. It was awesome. Granted, Cam Reddish was out with illness and Trey Jones left due to injury. But Zion Williamson, 35 points, 10 rebounds, 12 of 20 shooting. And they still lost. I mean, at, at this point, Duke is so good that even their best players putting up phenomenal nights and taking out two of their other key players and it's still going to be a battle to the finish. Yeah, I mean... Uh that's what you get when you have a superstar like Zion Williamson. And I feel like I might have a little bit of a different opinion here where I think Duke should have won even without those two players. And it's like, yes, it's impressive that they stuck in it with Syracuse till the end despite missing two big players, uh, two big pieces to that winning formula that Coach K has put in so far. Uh, However, when you still have Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and the rest of that amazing program, because Duke isn't just putting you know, uh, bench warmers out there on the bench and in that rotation. So even still, I just don't think it's an excuse for this loss. That's how I see it. However, I mean, I don't think Zion has anything to be ashamed of because, yeah, he just put up a career high and, right, record-breaking, like most points for a freshman in Duke history, I believe. But I think what it comes down to is that it wasn't necessarily on the Duke offense. It, It was definitely the defense because you have guys like Tyus Battle putting up 32 points and three others also posting double figures. So it's really that Duke loses out by not having key figures in their lineup on the defensive end because everyone on that team can put up points. So defensively, they're going to suffer, and you're going to have Syracuse players going off. Uh, and talk about going off, Elijah Hughes, the three-fourth court bomb that he had, that was awesome. Yeah, uh, that was that just set the tone for the rest of the game, and you felt that Cuse was going to have it. Shout out Sean Belby. Yeah, yeah. Past past guest on our show, Sean Belby is on the Syracuse basketball team. I saw a video of him getting rowdy in the locker room after. Very excited. Uh, another point that I wanted to touch on in this was the weird Jim Beheim like peeing in his pants. Yeah, what was that? I yeah. guess he got too excited. He's getting up there in age. I guess <laughs> <laughs> you know a Duke victory is a Duke victory, and you know you got to pee your pants. You got to pee your I pants. I mean, right? I don't blame him for being super excited after pulling off that upset. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, a little bit. I don't. I don't know if I have much to say about that. Just yeah. Uh, it, it really does recap the entire situation, though. The fact that they pulled off that amazing victory. Um, and against a team that's been the clear number one uh, this season, even with a few other losses here and there, 
Um, they, I don't know if they dismantled Florida State, but they pulled off that victory earlier uh, this weekend, or maybe, yeah, this weekend. And then Florida State went on to get crushed by an unranked team right after. So I do think it's interesting how the teams under Duke have been performing. And I, I don't know if you feel the same here, Jack, but, you know, Florida State was ranked number 11. Of course, Duke threw them off their game a little bit. But then to go in against an unranked team and lose by at least double digits, I think for them a lot more. It just, I I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know who's the main competition to Duke so far or if there is that much competition in terms of other great teams or giants that can really hold their own. I don't think there's any direct competition. There's there's no set team with star power that can match Duke at all. And I think Duke, as of right now, we're still going to take them as that number one seed. I mean, granted, they'll probably drop down after this to maybe the two or three, but to me, they're still that number one seed where every any given night they should win. And this is an unhealthy Duke team that lost too. We need to remember that. So a healthy Duke team at the top of their game is flawless. Granted, I will say that a good coach mixed with a good team and veteran leadership can take down Duke. And uh, grant, it, most likely in the tournament, we're going to see that happen. I, I would love to see Duke win it all. They're great this year. I'd love to see Zion win. But you put in Jim Beheim and a great team like Syracuse, or you, you take Gonzaga, who beat them earlier on, as a great senior team with a lot of leadership. That can take down star power in a, in a March Madness tournament where it's all about mentality as opposed to physicality where you would see in the NBA in like a seven-game series. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point because uh, regular season uh, NCAA basketball, I feel like the factors for victory are so different from what comes in uh, March Madness time. And like you're saying, it's all about that leadership. It's also all about the depth that a team has. Um, one of my teachers today, actually, shout out Professor Brocker, Biz Brocker, um, for just talking about that a team is only as great as its weakest link. And just basically, this is her pitch for uh, class participation all around, and it's a pretty good one, but it's just a great comparison for uh, March Madness as well. You need your bench to contribute just as well as your starters. You need guys to that you can rely on for all 40 minutes of the game, no matter whether it is your starting five and your superstars on the court, on the floor, or... Instead, you just have your five bench players, and you need and you expect yeah. that same uh, contri contribution, excuse me, from them as well. So, uh, I mean, I want to almost get into BC a little bit after mm -hmm. that, and saying that I think we've seen glimpses of that with our depth, but at the same time, we don't have the record even to make the tournament. We're still struggling here in the ACC. I don't even know if we've gotten our first victory in the ACC yet. Potentially one, well, but I don't know. The thing that BC is lacking is both veteran leadership and depth because you can't have one without the other that's true because yeah. if your freshmen are your starters you're not going to have veteran leadership hence no depth because they're also starting right. so give them time and i think this team will definitely come around as you have other players playing behind them another thing real quick uh ty's battle i brought up before i said that he put up 32 points four assists four rebounds and he's a player that i think in the tournament because i think q should make the tournament this year I think that Tyus Battle will see his draft stock rise because of the tournament. I really liked him a lot last year, and I think that as he keeps going on and on, he'll just keep going. I saw him projected, I think, second round the Knicks were um, pro projected to get him, but I think that's going to be impossible after the draft. Uh, excuse me, after March Madness. I think he's just going to keep rising and rising in stock. All right, yeah. Um Let's just keep going from there. I think we've spent a lot of time yeah. on NCAA basketball, and for good reason. We're in the thick of the regular season, just getting into conference play. But 
Uh, and I mean, there's so much more to go with that, and we will definitely be revisiting for sure, especially with Zion, probably. Uh, but yeah, let's get to some other sports, or why don't we stay in the NCAA for now with an NCAA football quote. Um, pretty simple one. I just need to hear uh, who said it and who it's about. Okay. If I was in his shoes, I'm picking up a baseball bat and not looking back. Okay, this, this is... Deion Sanders about Kyler Murray. That's correct. That's a full point there. I know that because I have the same exact quote oh, man. about Kyler Murray. So Find I guess we're one. just going to go yeah. all in on this one. Well, I guess we could... I'll um, get another one. Don't do we, we call it... Murray. Yeah, let's let's just give you the full credit um, for using a little bit of a cheat sheet there. Yeah. No, I, uh, Actually, I have, a, I have a portion of this that you can try and get a half point. Is on. there another person maybe who said it? Is that... Well, we'll, we'll get to that later. All right. Uh, or, well, it's the same top. Yeah, just test me now. Let's, let's, okay. Because we're going to spend a lot of time on this anyway. So, yeah, let's hear it. So, actually, all right, here we, you can try and get a full point off this. Okay. So, this is about Kyler Murray, obviously. So, if he were three inches taller, he'd be a number one pick. But at 5'10", he'd be the shortest quarterback in the NFL since who? Oh, shit. So, who is that quarterback? And then also, who <laughs> is saying this? Who is saying this should be easy because it's about the draft? Well, I'm going to go... There's two guys that I think of, and I'm just going to go with Mel Kuyper Jr. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm right. throw you a point there. Okay. Um, since who? 5'10". 5'10". I mean, Shortest quarterback in the NFL since this person. Yeah, the since makes me think... Well, is it a current player? No. Right, because I was going to say, there's guys like Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, yeah, no. but even they're six foot, and you don't even yeah. think it. Nope. I have no idea. Um... I don't know, and I, I want to put out a guess, but I just don't really have one. I'll, I'll take my half one, and let's just hear it. Okay, it is none other than BC's own Doug Flutie. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And he definitely is more known, I think, for his college career than his yeah. NFL career. So, but still, uh, no, 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 I'm just saying, is that going to translate with Kyler Murray? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there is a point where like small, small is too small. Yeah. Because you see guys like Baker and Drew Brees, and they thrive, and they do okay, but 5'10 is rough. 5'10", he's going to be staring down at linemen and just... Yeah, I mean, can he see over his own offensive linemen? Is he even 5'10"? I've heard rumors that he's really 5'9", and they just list him taller. Yeah. It's just things like that where the the college game is so different from the pros. Um, it's just different like physical specimen on that field that are just so intimidating and so much stronger than you think and than you see uh, against college competition. So I don't... I don't know if it's a hot take to say I don't think Kyler Murray's going to thrive in the NFL if that's the decision he makes. And in fact, I agree with Deion Sanders that he should be playing baseball. However, and I'm just going to get this in real quick, I don't even think he's that great of a baseball prospect. And clearly, Oakland had to offer something big early on to make sure Kyler wasn't tempted by the NFL. So they gave him $5 million as a signing bonus. That's usually a number that a top 10 pick will get. And mm. Billy Bean loves those small, speedy guys who he can use in his small ball offense, that whole money ball scheme that we've all seen before in the movies and we hear about all the time about him. He's a genius there, but in, in general, the guy doesn't have that much pop in his swing, and it's not even that great of a swing either. He's a short outfielder with a cannon for an arm, of course. He's a sick quarterback. But as a whole, I don't even think he's a top 10 pick, and I don't even think he's worth that $5 million signing bonus. So he should definitely be taking the most money, and I agree with him there. But honestly, I don't think he pans out that well in either pro sport. Well, maybe this is just a bid to get even more money. Yeah. Because by declaring for the draft, then the A's now have to think, should they offer him even more money with this, with the contract? So 
I mean, maybe that is the long move to just get more money out of Oakland. Yeah, but at the same time, how much is too much uh, in terms of what will Oakland draw the where will they draw the line in terms of how much will they give them? Five million feels like a lot already, and I think it really is. I heard Kyler demanded fifteen million. I don't even think you're allowed to give that to one player out of the draft. There's a rule with signing bonuses. You have to set a budget, can't go over it. $15 million would be what you spend on an entire draft, not just on one player. So I think um, that's a little absurd, and we'll ne- we won't see that. We won't see eight-digit figures out there. Maybe $8 million, which is also an absurd figure for any player out of the draft. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't think I'd do that either. If it, I'm in it needs to be sports. enough where Kyler Murray doesn't feel regret choosing the MLB over the NFL, as, as sad as it is to say. Because let's say his passion is with the NFL and he wants to play football, it needs to be enough money where if football doesn't go well, he's much better off choosing baseball. But if football does go well, he could end up making a very good career out of it and make a lot more money than the $8 million signing bonus now. It's all a very strange, very weird situation. I, I have a couple key dates here coming up that everyone should be tuned into on the Kyler Murray situation because it's going to be big news. Mm-hmm. So we have spring training February 15th, yep. and we got the combine February 26th, and then we have the draft April 25th, I believe. So keep watching and keep on top of all of this because he's definitely going to be a topic that we personally will be interested in talking about. Definitely. But it's basically the hottest issue in sports right now. I agree with that. And um, here's a prediction informed by, you know, things I've read in the past few weeks about this topic. Um, I don't think Kyler needs to go to the combine, even if he does decide that the NFL is his move. Uh, because what he can do everything that he would do with the combine on his own at a pro day. Mm. So, And then all these scouts can get those same numbers there. So sure, it's not going to be, he might not set the record for fastest QB at the combine or whatever because he won't be there officially. But he'll be able to do that all on his own and we'll have scouts timing him and checking him out there. So I say he doesn't show up to the combine and he doesn't show up to spring training either, even if he's spending that time that he's skipping the combine and thinking about baseball. Um... Overall, if I had to guess one side or the other, he's going to end up going for the NFL. And I think the better decision is go MLB, take the guaranteed money now. But you can actually get more guaranteed money, I think, from the NFL if you're a top 10 pick. It's weird. You know, early on we thought maybe Kyler wouldn't be a first rounder, so it makes more sense to it, get that $5 million. It looks like he's going to be. Yeah. I saw the Vegas odds today, and it's basically anywhere from the Raiders through the Jags and Giants all the way down. So There's so much demand for a quarterback. Someone's going to be a sucker, I think, and just try it. You know, yeah. because other than Dwayne Haskins, who I think is a legitimate prospect, I don't know where you stand on that one. I'm... I'm in between on him. I just don't think he's that mobile. I think he's yeah. great and he throws great. I just don't know if he's necessarily perfect in my eyes as a, as my franchise quarterback. Sure. But who who knows? He he is a guy that could come out and absolutely tear it up and be great and throw the ball like crazy. But I just I would like Haskins over Murray. I think there's Same. there's a lot less I don't know pressure not pressure but. I, I feel like the stigma around Murray is that he is too small. I think that's true. And I think that he's just not going to be as good in the NFL as he was in college. And I think Haskins will have a pretty good NFL career. Haskins, his skill set translates to the pros, in my opinion. Yeah. He would fit into a West Coast offense like the like Pat Shermer's trying to set up at the Giants. And he, he's more mobile than Eli is, you know, so yeah. and he'll he'll be able to survive behind that sh- 
tough O-line situation. Uh, we don't curse on the show. I almost did there because the Giants O-line might deserve that stinking, right now. Yeah, yeah, O-line. stinking O-line. Like um, yeah, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe Kyler should go NFL because he's going to get drafted in the top 10, in my opinion. And just what uh, those high draft picks get automatically, because their contract, they don't really negotiate much except for, again, the signing bonus. They'll be locked into a very solid long-term deal that's going to pay him better than just $5 million up front and then say he never makes the majors. He's not getting more than 80 k per year in the minor leagues, which sounds crazy, but that's also, what it is. Also, we're talking a much, much shorter season, too. Yeah. And granted, like you can keep in fairly good condition playing quarterback. I mean, oh, you definitely. have a good line in front Especially of you. Especially the kind of player he is. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think it would be a smart decision. He could maybe look at the MLB in the future, I guess. I or the doors yeah. closed from here on out. No. Who's to say? But I mean, it's a weird situation. So basically, it's I don't think I think Kyler Murray, based on how he plays, is better off being in the MLB. But I think based on money and what he should actually do is play in the NFL. Yeah. But I think any team that gets him in the NFL is a sucker for getting. <laughs> yeah. So it's a weird triple situation. But totally. I think. That is ideally what is going to go down. I think he's going to go down as a bust. Yeah. But it's like an expected bust. Like, we don't think he's going to translate, and I don't think a lot of people do. Yet the teams that, you know, think they can get something out of him and spend a high pick on him, he's going to qualify as a bust. It'll be a reach and a bust. That's how I see it. Yep. Uh, But at the same time, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, who's now the coach of the Cardinals, this would have been a great quote too, even though it comes from a few months ago. And I don't have it word for word right now, but he said he'd spend the number one pick on Kyler Murray if he had that opportunity. And guess what? You just signed to be the new head coach of the Cardinals. Guess what pick they have, number one. Even if they do have Josh Rosen, if Kingsbury decided, hey, Kyler Murray fits my offensive system better, they could shop Rosen. He had a tough uh, rookie year. But I I think that's a little bit out there. I wouldn't just abandon your franchise quarterback. That's the thing. Even Kingsbury this week was like, I wouldn't actually do that. Right, yeah. So, I mean... I don't know. I think he see, he's seeing what we're seeing and, and rationalizing. Like, yes, on paper, Kyler Murray is a great quarterback and a great athlete and would be fun to have in the NFL. But in actuality, it's like, I don't think so. I don't think it's actually going to work out the way that he did in college. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Dwayne Haskins scored 50 touchdowns in one season this year for Ohio State. He, I, I, In my opinion, he is legitimate. As, as legitimate as it's going to get in this draft class for sure. He's the one quarterback I'm expecting a lot from out of this class, which is a pretty disappointing one. There's guys like Drew Locke and Daniel Jones who their stock has fluctuated a bit up and down, and maybe they can find they can be a gem. Uh, but as as for Haskins, I think he's being doubted even still, even though there is hype growing around him now. I would expect a Deshaun Watson type season from him as a rookie, uh, and I don't even think that's a hot take. I think he's that's a comparison that might come true because he's shown he can do it in college for a very solid team in Ohio State and at the same time there are NFL teams drooling to get the opportunity to take him Giants included so will we see him in the the big blue and come back to I New mean, Jersey I Haskins I would not mind the Giants taking if he is available at the sixth pick I don't want to trade up for okay, him I will stay there and if he's there I'll take him They're gonna I'd, have even, to trade up. I'd even be okay to go down Mm-hmm. And trade down so that we could we could still land a good line uh, lineman and just get some more picks out of it. I'm fine with that. But if Haskins is there at six, okay. I'm taking him. Okay. Otherwise, I don't really want to move up. For me, um, 
Haskins will not be there at six because a team is going to trade up for him. Whether it's the Giants or a team behind them, or even above them in terms of the Raiders, someone's going to move up and guarantee that they can take him. So maybe the Cardinals are shopping that number one pick just so the team can guarantee they have nobody above them who can steal Haskins from them. Uh, the Giants are going to have to be one of those teams if they want their quarterback. And in my opinion, well, I think Haskins would be worth trading up. I don't know how much of the future you'd have to mortgage for that, but he would be their future in my opinion. At the same time, I agree with you that we need O-line. So if Haskins is gone and we're not the team that trades up for him, and if we're sitting there at six and Jonah Williams is gone, because he's the one offensive tackle who I would take at six. Otherwise, I agree with you. Trade down, get as much as you can for that pick. Or maybe get an edge rusher. There are elite edge rushers out there, and we had nothing other than Olivier Vernon racking up maybe well, eight or nine sacks. We need that too. He He's just, for me, Haskins is just not mobile enough to trade up for. Mm. Because I think he's... You put him behind a line where if you're not mobile enough, you will get screwed over as a young quarterback. And Eli's barely managing to make it out. Look at the amount of sacks Eli has had this year on him. And he's a veteran, and he still stayed healthy. You put a young guy under that, and I don't know what the end results will be. And you could really mess up Haskins' career by doing so. So if he is there, that's fine, and that's good. Otherwise, I don't know if I'm all in on it. I do like the situation of Haskins, having Eli for a year to mentor him get a Lamar Jackson worst case scenario situation where he's comes in halfway through the year and really takes over the team I'd prefer a Mahomes situation where (laughs) you know I mean not necessarily in skill set I'm talking about like the actual situation where he sits out pretty much the entire year and then the next year we're all in on him and he's the guy starting out so I'd also be okay with that but really I don't know. I'm just not sold uh, enough yet. And I know there will be more hype and it will make me want yeah. to move up the closer we get to the draft. But for right now, I'm saying stick with six pick. Okay. If he's there, take it. I'm pre-hype saying that I'm in on him. So I'm ready for the hype to come in and I'm just going to ride with it. But, uh, okay, here's a proposal before we go to the next quote. If um, And this is for you as a fan, really, not uh, if you're in somebody's shoes. Just as you as a fan, would you be content with the Giants trading up for Haskins at two or three or four or five, whatever it is, even one, if you know that he's going to have that Mahomes situation, not maybe his success as a sophomore, but that he will sit the entire first season, will be able to improve the line between two season, or two off seasons of free agency and other draft picks, and then we go through in 2020 with him as the starter, as a sophomore, and he's in that Mahomes-type situation where he's seen it all, really, from the bench and with Eli as his uh, mentor, or maybe Teddy Bridgewater or somebody that we signed this year to mentor him. I don't really know who we'll have starting. I'm, I'm going to say no. I don't like trading up for that situation still because either way, like yes, having Eli as a mentorship is great, and I think that would be awesome. I still think next year you could potentially land a good quarterback out of that draft class that doesn't even need mentorship and can come right out the gate Mm. firing and already be your guy. I just don't think it's worth trading up and losing anything from. If he's there at six, yes, I'm fine with it. I love the situation. Otherwise, I don't know how much I want to give up. All right, we're going to leave it there. We're uh, a little bit of a disagreement now, but maybe people's minds will change later. But okay, I think now I should go again. Yeah. Because you've read two and I've read one. Um, All right. I've got NFL and MLB. We're talking NFL a lot. Let's continue. Um, tell me, mm, 
Maybe not who. No, don't tell me who said it. It's about. I'm sorry, two what, what was this again? NFL. NFL. And tell me about the two people. It's National talking Football about. League. Yes, sir. We have confidence in Blank's ability to be our quarterback and to be hopefully a 19-game starter. There's two players involved in this situation. I think that should potentially give it away, but I want to hear both. Okay, so or the team, or I, I want to. There's a lot to this, and I want to hear all of it. Okay, first of all, is is it a current playoff team? Are they in the playoffs right now? They were in the playoffs. Okay. But you wouldn't really say this if they still were. That's my opinion. Okay, say it one more time. We have confidence in Blank's ability to be our quarterback and to be hopefully a 19-game starter. 19-game starter. Okay. I'm going to say that this is Carson Wentz. That's the Blank. And, and then it it's a... The other person was Nick Foles, I yeah. guess. And then, Doug oh, Peterson was the... It was Howie Roseman, okay. but I'm giving you the full point there. I'm okay. feeling generous today. Uh, but yeah, so the answer to that blank is Carson Wentz. The Eagles have said that he is their guy for the future, yeah. despite him being injury prone. I don't think he's ever actually played a playoff game. Um, Nick Foles has been the guy who led them to the 2018 Super Bowl championship and through the playoffs this year and even though he lost to Drew Brees and the Saints I think he put up a good fight um and overall there are Eagles fans I don't know too many of them but there were some Eagles fans that thought Nick Foles should be the guy and there are other fans who thought Nick Foles should be the guy uh even if Carson Wentz seems to be the more skilled player um I just want to hear your take on this situation I'll, I'll definitely jump in after yeah I I've seen enough of Carson once in the past that I know I want him as my quarterback as the younger guy of this franchise I do like Carson Wentz I think Nick Foles is fantastic in the playoffs and great on the third down he's incredible and what he did in that Super Bowl was was amazing against Brady but I gotta say that this is your guy you can get trade value out of Nick Foles you know, what's his situation this offseason? Is he... I believe he's a free agent. Okay. I think so, he's testing the market out. Well, let me let me check. I mean, that, that makes sense. But yeah. also, at the same time, I I don't know. I just, I can't put all my faith in I I feel like it's similar to like a higher grade Case Keenum, maybe, where he's great for a season or two and, and cool in the playoffs and make some great plays, but I just can't have the future of my franchise on his back. Well, and I think Carson Wentz is built to be that guy for the Eagles in the future because I've seen enough of what he can do, and it's pretty fantastic stuff, and there's enough of a good offensive core around him that he can make something of it. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say there is he's the one that brought this team to the playoffs. Uh, Nick Foles, that is. It wasn't Wentz. Um, they were struggling with Carson Wentz. I mean, he wasn't looking as great as he did in his crazy rookie season or was that his second season two years ago yeah it was so Foles meanwhile is the the magic that brought this team to the playoffs in the first place and then he got them through the wild card so to even go up against the number one seeded Saints and try were they yeah they were yeah and try their best I mean that's pretty impressive at the same time he is he would be due 20 million dollars uh, in 2019 if his option was accepted or if both sides accepted the option. So I feel like uh, by Howie Roseman saying this, he's kind of setting the ground that Foles will be hitting the market and going mm-hmm. elsewhere, which makes sense. If you think Carson Wentz is your guy, 
then you're not going to pay your backup $20 million. I mean, there are, there are backups making 10 or 12 and it makes sense for guys who are backing up a player like Carson Wentz who might not make it all 16, or in Howie's case, 19 games. He wants Carson Wentz to be able to go to the Super Bowl himself. Um, uh, Foles was given a lot of bonuses in 2018, of course, for his awesome job in 2017. He was getting paid a million dollars at first, um, and... And then he turns around into a Super Bowl champion. Of course, you're going to give him a little more the season after. I think the Eagles, though, are in a great position where full, excuse me, Wentz doesn't work out. It's not the worst thing because I think their team is bad enough in, in its current system where if you don't have the right quarterback there, you can easily somewhat tank and do badly. And there's enough great quarterbacks coming out of college in the next couple years that they can quickly bounce back and recover. So if you get a great quarterback, you have great offensive stars around him to make him play pretty well. Uh, you got, like, Alshon Jeffrey. Like, I, I feel like he's a guy that you could put any decent quarterback down and he'll still manage to do fairly well. So I don't think it's a terrible situation to be in with Wentz. I think, best case scenario, he's your guy and your franchise leader for the next couple of years. Otherwise, you're quickly able to tank and get a quarterback that can bring you back to where you once were. Yeah, um... I don't know, my my thoughts on this are Wentz still has more trade value in my opinion. And if you, you know, are worried about his injuries and you want to stick with someone somewhat proven, I feel like then in that case Nick Foles makes sense. And he's such a fan favorite at this point. The Eagles are definitely gonna have to put some kind of statue up for him just because he led them to their first ever Super Bowl and in such dramatic fashion. Um, at the same time though, I think there is a market for Foles in terms of trades. Just $20 million is absurd, though, uh, for a guy who you're not putting faith in as a starter, then why should other teams? I mean, there are a lot of other teams who would need a guy like him. Uh, it's a tough scenario from the Eagles' perspective. However, if I'm a team like the Giants or a team that needs a quarterback, I, I mean, for the Giants, I'd stay away because just it's inside the division. But maybe the Jaguars or somebody else who might not want to trade up for the rookie quarterback, I could see going for one of these two guys. I don't I, necessarily know if... The Giants or Jags is a good move because I still feel like Nick Foles is on that older end and you're really not getting your, like, franchise. He's, he's still 29. I mean... I, I just feel like in nowadays with the NFL, it's like all these new young gun guys that you is. can get from the draft. And a guy like Nick Foles, I feel like you can just... I don't know if you want to start out like that when the last person you had was on the older end is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So, like, a Blake Bortles yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. an Eli Manning. I don't know if that's the move, but as a guy to fill in in the meantime while you have a younger quarterback develop i'd be okay with in that in that respect okay yeah so i know there are teams looking at a guy like teddy bridgewater and thinking i can give him a year or two maybe maybe the kind of deal that Foles was getting on other teams where it's like i'll give you a little bit of money up front in your first season and then here's a team option for the second year if we haven't found that long-term replacement just yet I could see that happening for Foles, but on a larger scale than a guy like Bridgewater. And I do think he has that veteran presence now, even though in my opinion he's only 29. I think he still has more to go. Um, but he has Super Bowl experience. That's so valuable for a young guy that you're training to be your new quarterback of the future. Um, in that case especially, and then in terms of his own success in the past few years, there's a lot of value in other teams' eyes for Nick Foles. So he will... I don't think this is a hot take either. I've been saying that a lot today. He'll have a starting job somewhere on opening day for 2019. Yes. 
and it's not going to be Philadelphia. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, Carson Wentz, I guess here's my hot take, he's not going to complete the season this year, or in 2019 again. Wow. Um, maybe only 12 or 13 games. It's just something with this guy. And I like him a lot as a Giants fan. I like him a lot. Yeah, uh, it's tough to dislike guy. him. But it just... It, nothing has seemed to go his way since he's gotten to the NFL. He has the ring to show. You know, he was on that team and he got them pretty far in 2017. But I don't know. I don't think he's going to do it. You know, he's not that 19-game guy, as talented as he is. Uh, but, yeah, if you have anything else to say on that one, go for nope, it. If I'm, not, I, I think that Carson Wentz is the guy for now. And yeah. I don't like to look at Foles. Excuse me, Foles. Foles, another Philly guy, yeah. Foles as my franchise quarterback right now. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But in, as a short-term replacement for a team like the Jaguars, or, or I don't want to say the Raiders because they've already committed money to Derek Carr, but yeah, a team like the Jaguars, I could see it. Uh, and that's why I feel I no like doubt think you'll have a starting job, though, yeah, by yeah. start of next year. Yep. All right, so hit me with your third. Yeah. yeah, so this is an NBA quote. What he just did, we kind of take it for granted a little bit. It's like, oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? I mean... On dead legs, and he played 43 minutes last night. It's beyond impressive. It's rare that people can do what he's done, if anybody. Okay, it's about James Harden. Yes. Oh man, I don't know who said it. It's just something. Sounds like something a coach would say or an opposing player. And I'm I'm I I I know he did something recently. And in general, I know the streak he's had, but I'm blanking on the specific team he played against. I'm going to go, I'm just going to say Russell Westbrook. I have no clue. Well, you were right with the coach. It is actually Mike D'Antoni of the Rockets. Oh, the Ro- you okay, said that about, his about James Harden. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to talk about James Harden because this is literally legendary right now. We are watching history being made. James Harden is going after Wilt Chamberlain's record of the longest streak of 30-plus po- point games. Wilt had 20 in 1964. And James Harden, I believe, is at 17, so he's right yes, he on his trail coming after him. So the whole situation is that Houston is without three starters right now. And granted, that is probably why James Harden is able to put up such massive amounts of points. He dropped 57. That was the game I was thinking yeah, 57 of. last night against the Grizzlies. Yep. They won 112-94. to Yeah. But the Houston, excuse me, the Rockets are without Chris Paul, Clint Capella now, who's out four to six weeks. Oh, man. And... Uh, is it Eric Gordon? Is he I think it is. I yeah. So yeah. Eric Gordon as well. All three are out. James Harden has just been going off. Yes, th- this is what <clears throat> Mike D'Antoni was referencing. He might be struggling right now in that he's getting tired and fatigued having to play all this time. But at, excuse me, at the same time, James Harden is having some bad nights. I mean, he had one, and granted, bad nights, he still put up over 30. Yeah, I was going to say. But yeah. he, against the Magic, they lost. Uh, he had a really bad three-point shooting night, and he just brushed it off. There was a quote, I believe, from Austin Rivers who said like it was just impressive the way that he could bounce back like that yeah. and shake it off like it was nothing. James Harden even said about the night, like, oh, it was that bad? Like, wow, if I just made a couple more, I would have had 60. Yeah. So James Harden is just lights out right now. He, the Rockets themselves are 13-4 and four during this run. In that 57-point win, he had 36 points in the first half alone, which was nearly the Rockets' record, I believe. He didn't get it, though. Okay. But James Harden right now looking very good. I think it will only help when the other guys get back in terms of team wins. I think that team is really good. But 
James Harden is the MVP right now, no doubt about it. You can say Giannis and the the Rockets did lose to them, but again, that's without some of their key players, and it's not just a single player game. You know, I'm in in the MVP race. You do have to, in terms of wins against another MVP player, it comes down to who else is around you on your team. It's not just one on one because he still lit it up in that game and continued on this streak. So. I think James Harden is the MVP right now. I'm calling it unless he absolutely does anything the rest of the season that's just awful, putting up single-digit numbers. Yeah, It's not happening. James Harden is back-to-back MVP this year, and rightfully so, and I believe that the Rockets will do fairly well in the playoffs. Even like last year, they were without Chris Paul. If a healthy Rockets team is there, and even without a healthy Rockets team and James Harden is having himself a night, they can take the West. I believe they're the only real competition in the West that can get a spark and get a hot streak going where they can take down the Warriors. Yeah, let me follow up that. There's just a lot going on. Um, yeah, I, meanwhile, I'm just looking at his game log here. Uh, had he made literally one more free throw, had he had one more point against Portland, his streak would be two games longer. He had 29 points. That was the game before the streak started. And the game before that, he put up 35 against Dallas. Uh, even still, in both those games, he had a negative plus-minus. It's just something I found interesting. However, on the flip side, he's got, like, plus-20s out here. I mean, the dude is carrying this team, even if he has a few turnovers and it looks bad on the plus-minus scale, because they are going to lose some games, and with him on the court so long, of course it's going to look like it's on him. Um, as a whole, what he's been doing is amazing, and there, there's no doubt in my mind either that he's the MVP so far. Uh, but it's we're halfway through the year, and like you said, something can happen where... Somehow that could change in my eyes, but I just can't see it happening with 34.8 points per game. That's his average right now. But guess what else? He has 8.6 assists per game and then 6.3 rebounds. And sure, you can think maybe he's a bit of a stat patter because all those players are missing. I don't see it like stat padding in a, for a guy like Russell Westbrook, maybe, yeah. where he's not trying to get these rebounds to look better in the box. It's court. not like he's going for averaging a triple-double. No, he's he, just exactly. naturally getting high pretty high consistent numbers not trying for anything he's yet. only six foot five he's not supposed to be the rebounder yet he's getting six per game because they've needed him to do that they've needed him to contribute in so many ways that in my opinion they didn't really need from him last year in his mvp campaign so if you're only improving on an mvp year and sure there were some question marks i feel like about whether he should have won last year or not this year it's no doubt that it should go to him at this halfway point of the season. Um, and then I saw a pretty interesting stat. I was reading this one sports blog that my dad subscribed to. I believe it's called Axiom um, for the first time. And there was a really cool James Harden stat where he's taken 11 threes per game off a dribble. Uh, I forget they had another name for it, but that's what it, the stat means. And no player has attempted maybe half as many per game otherwise. And of course, like more than 50% of those attempts are coming off that step back. Sometimes it looks like a travel, but most of the time, I mean, he has perfected that shot. Yeah, and I mean, other players get called for the same move. You saw Steph Curry complaining about it. I know Kevin Knox on the Knicks was able to get it off and uh, get the shot down and didn't get called a travel or any or, or a walk on it. But that is the trademark Harden move, and he's getting away with it now because he does it so consistently and finishes so consistently. And off that move, he's even able to draw a foul sometimes, too, and get a four-point play and just further boost his points. I really just think that 
Like, I found myself even in the gym today playing basketball. Like I wasn't, I, I wasn't taking a three and thinking Curry. I was trying to do a step back and think James Harden. That is yeah. the James Harden effect right now. James Harden is the MVP. All and, in on it. Yeah, to, just to finish there, that's a really interesting point. A few years ago, um, yeah, I'd say a few years ago, the game changed in the NBA because of a guy like Steph Curry who's revolutionizing with every three he's taking from five feet behind the three-point line or whatnot. And sure, that's where the game as a whole is traveling. But right, people think Steph Curry when they're in the gym. And yeah, could this be a new revolution? I don't think every player is going to be attempting it, but we've seen a lot of guys who are trying to work a step back three into their game. And in the meantime, that's a really good point. People are trying to step back themselves. It gets you space if you can perfect it. I mean, yeah. it's very tough to perfect, though. And then, of course, it does look like it travel a lot, especially in Harden's case. Uh, how do you feel about that, by the way? Because I feel like refs are a little bit lax in general in the NBA in terms of travels. <clears throat> That's something I feel like would be called a lot more in the NCAA. Uh, does that really, how does that affect you? Does it offend you? I, I don't really care too much as long as you're hitting it consistently. If you are James Harden and knocking down this shot, like that's impressive. And I don't, it, if you can trademark it as your own move and it be, gets to a point where refs recognize it as your own move, then you're doing something right and good enough where it shouldn't be a, a point to mess with. Like sh- I, is it illegal, though? Because if it's illegal, it should still be called, even if it's your own move. That just means you're being called for it a lot. Yeah, but you see guys like LeBron all the time. Travel know, on their dunks. Traveling on their yeah. dunks. And, and oh my taking that extra step and just bringing the ball up, and it's just their yeah. trademarked own thing. So I it guess. gets to a point where refs just... There's a superstar effect, too. Yeah, there's definitely a superstar effect, and it is within full effect for James Harden. Yeah, and deservingly so, but at the same time, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I feel like... And we, we've talked about this before off the show, where uh, different teams are going to get the calls a little more just because of the team they are, and I just feel like that's a little unfair... In every in in all parts of the game, whether it's high school basketball or the pros, um, you see that a lot with LeBron, like you said, uh, and that's frustrating, especially when you're a fan of the opposing team that he's going up against. But and Harden's had that too. Remember, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about his flopping, I believe, and just how that was a major issue, and that's really toned down recently. But now the step back can be a little controversial. As a whole, though, I don't think anyone is arguing that he's the MVP. Just based off numbers alone, based off this record-breaking streak, and record-breaking in terms that he hopped over Kobe Bryant, and that's really the modern era here. Yeah. If he can beat out Wilt Chamberlain, though, that is something else altogether. I just, I don't, and I mean, granted, that's Wilt Chamberlain playing in 1964 without a three-point line. Yeah. So that's very impressive. But alone. against, I mean, he I was, mean, it is yeah. the record, and it's cool to have, but I still would put Wilt's record a lot higher than James Harden really? for now. Okay. Because without a three-point line, he's putting only up two-pointers to get that but the game consistent was, 30 points. Yeah. I, I, I still think the game was a lot different than... A lot different and a lot... Wilt. Not necessarily <laughs> as good competition. Like, Wilt Chamberlain was yeah. at the top of his game around him. But there is something to be said with not having a three-point line, especially with how consistently James Harden shoots from three. But also, I, I do not want to knock Giannis, though, because... If not for this streak having been so long, it's already past the point of it being too short. Like, it's long enough where he should get MVP. But if this streak were only a couple days, or say under 10 or around 5 or 6, we would still have to talk about the Giannis conversation. Yeah. Because Giannis plays much better defense than James Harden. True. And Giannis puts up great defensive numbers in terms of blocking and rebounding a, a lot better than James Harden. So I think that 
is the only case for Giannis, but that's about it. Otherwise, James Harden's streak is so impressive that wow. he deserves the MVP. They have very similar win shares. That's just, uh, a, a stat comparable to war in baseball, where it just shows how much you're contributing to your team. Both of them are around seven right now, which is tremendous for halfway through the season. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, I agree with you there that he should. He definitely deserves recognition. I think he'll come in second for sure in the voting. Um, and then if there was an Eastern Conference MVP, you know, you'd give it to him for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, here's a just an interesting question maybe to end it on. What do you think prime Wilt Chamberlain would average in today's NBA if you just placed him on a team where, you know, he was the superstar of his team and for good reason back in the day? Yeah, for sure. I don't know where he'd play. Uh, obviously, it's tough to say that. But would he be like an Andre Drummond type? And I don't know how athletic he was compared to other players today. Um, I still... If he grew up today, I think he'd be a fit, like a beast anyway. Of course. But, I, I just, mean, you, it's it's hard to pluck players and put them in different yeah, areas. Totally. Because you can't even really say that about like Jordan playing today. Like, yeah. It's a different game. It's, it's completely different. And part of any great player's greatness comes to them playing in a specific era because they're brought up a certain way playing and and yes the competition around them changes and yes you can say maybe the competition today is more physical or gifted or shoots better but at the same time they're all playing having been brought up a different way and it was just being the best at that time and will was the best at that time true and in other areas yes i still he is a top five potentially top five great all time oh he is i think he is and maybe even top three and I think if you put him in today's, he's still going to put up pretty good numbers. I'm yeah. not saying he's going to have, you know, a 100-point game. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to have this 20 points, this this 20-day streak, a 20-win yeah. streak. But I don't know. I, I still think he's good enough, and if you're in that top 10 conversation at all, that you will play very well in any given era. It's different, but you will still play very well, and you will still be the star of your team, and you will still be you know, an all-star and in MVP contention. Yeah. Uh, Two points on that. One, with, you said, you know, how players or people growing up in different areas and they're influenced by who's at the top of the game right now. Think about the kids growing up right now in today's era. They're going to see Steph and Harden and those players. Do you think we'll maybe see, like, more threes than twos attempted, you know, like, in games at this point? Because that's... I definitely definitely think so, yes. But I think that we may all the game always changes, and I think we will eventually see a four point line because of how far back these guys are shooting nowadays. And because of that, you will see more like the two point jump shot is going away. Will basically be gone. Excuse me, and the three will take that spot, and the three point shot will be the real, you know, determining factor of games. And then the four-point shot is where you'll make all your extra money. Yeah. But, you know, dunks and layups and everything will still be there consistently. Oh, yeah. But the two-point jumper, I can see vanishing from the game. Of I like that idea of a four. And then the three-pointer becomes really what a mid-range yeah, the, is I mean, now. the four is difficult. It's harder than a three. Uh, but granted, guys are getting better at shooting and knowing how to shoot better. At, but you see it in the big three where oh, yeah. they have the four-point shot. And it's not as heavily used and it's not hit as often but these are coming from guys from you know the 90s early 2000s True. who grew up not even really shooting threes yeah you take a you know a young group of kids who are pl- playing the game of basketball where it's all threes uh-huh. then that four-point shot is going to be the next step then you take the next era of that where they're grown up with a four-point shot it will be that consistent shot eventually so yeah 
I mean, basically what I'm saying is we're going to end up playing a full court game of shooting. Yeah. Come, you know. Well, that's what basketball kind of was. Or something, but. Early on in basketball, I mean, layup sort of thing, of course, but no one was dunking. Like, the, the first stage of basketball. And so it really was just jumpers all around. So yeah. now it's just m- I mean, more difficult jumpers. You see guys consistently hit from the logo in the NBA, like yeah. Stafford Harden. And even in college, you'll see. Dinwiddie hit one. And yeah. he's, like, and, he's not even that great of a shooter. And, you know, they're attempting it. And then forget about having to get a shot up for, you know, a buzzer. That logo shot isn't that hard anymore. Crazy so, to say that, but it, you're right. It's may not. as well make it a four-point shot. Yeah, I like that idea. And then here's just a statement, really, because I want to get into this final quote. But... I think because you can't apply guys like Jordan to today's NBA or Chamberlain to today's NBA, you need to look at it as the GOAT of each era because there are clearly differences in each era of basketball. And, of course, people want the one guy, the one greatest of all time. And it's just tough to say that in the NBA because it's it's changed so much compared to football even and especially baseball. I think you still can, though, because you should overall be saying the GOAT, like, the greatest of all time in their era, but, like, what they were able to accomplish in that era. True. And, like, how that compares okay. to what someone else was able to accomplish in which in case that it's era. Jordan. And Yeah, it is Jordan, and I've always said it is Jordan. The I, only reason I why I ever it. say it is LeBron to be the greatest of all time is because I think it's way cooler to say that you live through the greatest yeah. of all time. So that's the only reason why I'll, I will ever say LeBron James, but really deep down and everything inside me and the stats show – and the ring show that yeah. Michael Jordan was, is the was greatest it, of all time. Or was it Bill Russell? You know what I mean? Because that's why, that's why Bill Russell's success-wise is the greatest. So well, like, success-wise in so terms tough. of rings, but we right. also need to think about like, clutch MVPs factor, and, yeah, MVPs, yeah, 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 yeah. and everything, and that's where it comes on Michael Jordan. Okay, yeah. We'll leave it there. That's a topic we yeah. can literally spend an entire episode on. But uh, let's get into this final quote. It's MLB. I think you've won already, or maybe it's tied, but you've got a whole quote to hit something here. Um... Tell me what team this is. Okay. And then at least one of the two players it's talking about. Okay, yeah. Blank made this much clearer during negotiations. They will not sign both players. This okay. is from Matt Gelb of The Athletic. Yeah, I got this. This is Philly, and this is Machado and Harper. They ding, won't get ding, both ding. of them. You sweep the first episode of 2019. There you go. That's what I like to hear. I think I gave you some softballs. But these are the <laughs> topics we need to talk about and have been talked about Definitely. over break. Yeah. Um. Let's just do a quick five minutes of baseball because that's what we've got left, and let's just cover every team. Okay. I mean, maybe I'll spearhead it this time. Uh, starting off with the Phillies. They haven't signed anybody yet, and they're going after Bryce Harper especially. Mm. They've made it, I think, clear that he's the one they want to prioritize, and they're going to give him that crazy money that these free agents have been waiting out for. That's why we haven't had the big names sign, and it's the new year already, and it's been the offseason for almost two months. Bryce Harper is going to get $350 million in the Phillies, I think, for 10 years. It's an absurd contract, but it's what you get, in my opinion, if you're a star in the MLB. And owners are trying to back down from that, whether it's avoiding the luxury tax, which I heard is a complete hoax, and it's basically just what the salary cap is in the NFL and elsewhere. Um, But yeah, I say Harper goes to the Phillies, and I had a Bleacher Report update recently that they're going to go after Harper. Keichel and Craig Kimbrell. I saw that. They yeah. want a big three. I, yep. I heard that today. An interesting big three of a, a hitter, a starting pitcher, and a closer, which yeah. I like a lot. I think that's very cool, and they have a, uh, a team already in that in Philly 
that this those three free agents would turn into, in my opinion, World Series contender. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I read that today and thought the same exact thing. Yeah. Uh, then you have the White Sox. We've heard a lot from Dan recently. Um, they have become the front runners for Manny Machado because no other team seems to want to give him the money he wants. So uh, the White Sox made an offer. I believe it was around three hundred twenty, or no, only about like two forty two fifty for eight years. So about $31 million per year. Again, a lot of money, but that's something the Yankees could match if they wanted him. And that's why I think it's clear that they don't or they want him to just fall into their hands for cheaper. And I don't know if that's the right thing. He is a star player and someone who would turn us into World Series contenders once again. Not to say we aren't already, but are we better than the Red Sox? I don't think you can say that yet. Um, he would turn us into the legitimate favorites, uh, something we thought we were with Stanton, but I just don't think we truly are yet. I I actually have some confidence on Stanton. I think that he's going to turn oh, around. Yeah, we've talked about You've yeah, talked about Yeah, I sure. really do think that he's going to turn around this year and be that guy and step up and really be that one-two punch with Judge. So I'm not necessarily worried about landing Machado right now. I think that the Yankees might actually – be better off in the long run without him. I hate to say it. I really do think that we have enough right now where he's not essential. I think that he it's kind of weird to fit into our lineup, and I uh-huh. think we have enough young talent too yeah. that is coming up, like guys like uh, Glaber Torres like, yes, that came out of nowhere last year where like I really do think that it's not a necessity, and losing out on Machado while at first, and I, I think all of Twitter, all of Yankees, a bunch of Yankees fans, and all of – you know, sports media is going to critique the Yankees for not landing him when they obviously could. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to it, and I really don't think it needs to get done. Yeah, and I wouldn't call it a hot take because when I brought up the luxury tax a little bit just a second ago, um, it, it's they penalize you a little bit for every dollar you spend over this uh, maximum, basically. So it is kind of like the salary cap, but a soft salary cap. Now, for every year you're staying over it, it multiplies a little bit. The Yankees have been over it apparently for 15 straight years. So for them, getting under it makes a lot of sense. For other teams, it's not that big of a deal. The Red Sox World Series team was, I believe, $60 million over. They were taxed $12 million. That's nothing in terms yeah. of baseball and in terms of these owners, owners and I mean, granted, money like the Yankees have the money to spend. Yeah, but, but we're resetting it. So maybe they're going to go after the deep ball in 2020. Yeah. Or, it's pot, or 2019, I should say. Yeah, the I just think that this team was good enough last year, and you just you get that team of destiny feel. Like, the Red Sox had that feeling where everything just went their way. Oh, yeah. So I, and I think the Yankees are a team where they have enough pitching where everything could go their way. And you get guys in the playoffs and in the World Series getting hitting their strides and really having great pitching nights. I think the Yankees still could take the, ser- to, could take the series next year. There's not a doubt in my mind that I, I think it would be – you know, tragic in the next two to three years not to win a World Series because I think their team is enough to get them there. But, you know, for the time being, I, I think they're in a good place. I'm not worried at all. Yeah. Uh, the LeMahieu signing was kind of cool. DJ LeMahieu, two years, $24 million to the Yankees um, as a Neil Walker-type role, first base, second base, third base even. Um, but, again, not the shortstop that we're looking for while Didi's hurt. However, now there's just a logjam in the infield if we were to bring in Machado. And I think LeMahieu brings a lot of defense that we're lacking right now. And a contact hitter. We have a lot of power hitters. And the Yankee fans were asking for a guy who, who prioritizes contact and just getting on base. So that's something we did need. And, sure, his road numbers are kind of atrocious. But... I don't know. Maybe that's just fluky. We'll, we'll see how he does with the Yankees. I think it could really be a solid signing. Um, and, yeah, it's 8 o'clock, but 
before we get to the Chris Heron interview on the podcast at uh, Jack, I, I said we talk about the Bachelor. Big Bachelor talk, real quick. All right. First off, I'll give you my takes because we got some big, big Bachelor takes, real quick. First of all, Cassie is my number one. Cassie, I believe, is amazing. She's a really sweet girl, really attractive. I think that she is the Bachelor of the future. She's my, I'm all in on Cassie. Also, big fan of Caitlyn and Kaylin, I believe. She's the Miss North Carolina Caitlyn. She's the other girl. I haven't heard much about her yet. Really sweet girl. But that three is my big three of The Bachelor for this year. So you heard it here first. Those are the three that I'm all in on. Pretty similar names. Yeah. I, I like Nicole, too. She's really sweet. A little emotional right now, but we'll see where it goes. Besides that, I think both beauty pageant girls will be around for a while. There's going to be a lot of drama. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of drama. Excuse me. And they're going to want that for the show. We also see Demi come out of nowhere where she's starting a lot of drama. So she no doubt will be like a Corinne figure and take over that villain role of the season. And she will be there for a good amount of time. And we'll see if Colton is able to read through it and really, you know, see who he really loves out here. Real quick, give me your fantasy picks. Cause fantasy picks. Okay. Yeah. So if you play along with the Bachelor Fantasy app, like we do now. Of course. Because I got everyone going on it. We, I, I'm going with... Both beauty pageant girls, so that is Hannah B and Kaylin. And then I'm going to go Onika. She's, she starts a lot of stuff. Big, big rise in Demi this week, though. So I'd pick Demi. And Nicole put up a lot of numbers as as well this week. So I'm going to keep her up there, too. I, I'm at five right now. <laughs> so what is it, seven, eight? I, it, okay. I think it might be six. Okay. So maybe I'll throw in a personal favorite of Cassie. So I'll right. throw in Cassie, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm... I've seen what two episodes now, so I'm not too experienced here. But it seems like you're, you you got to pick the the ones that weren't featured that much the episode before. Those are the you know uh, small money picks that fit into that budget because you can't just pick whoever you want. There's a little bit of strategy to it. So I, I forget I had like a sleeper pick here. Um, I think I'll go Caitlyn. I think she's my number one, and she has not been featured much. So yeah, maybe she gets a few looks this week. Uh, all right, that was a lot, and I'm really glad to be back in the studio just doing stuff like this uh, here at BC. So it's 2019, and new year, new show a little bit. We're mixing it up with our uh, segments, but it's still senior quotes, and we've got the main uh, the mainstays there. Yeah, well, and there's a lot more coming. And yeah, a new interview. Yeah. yeah, new interview right now if you're listening on the podcast app with Chris Heron Jr., and for those of you listening live stay tuned and updated with us on twitter because we'll be getting that out soon with the interview so that's it for me yeah i got nothing more to add uh stay tuned and we will uh see you next time see you next time all right and we are back we are live here with chris heron jr son of basketball player uh chris heron of course and chris heron jr here plays uh at Boston College on the basketball team. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? We're doing fantastic, especially <laughs> now that you're here, Chris. We're yeah. very excited to get you. Chris actually is groundbreaking because he is our first official guest from Boston oh, College. True. That's a good so point. He's, wow. he's, he's in the territory of Jack Butterfield and, and Tony Riley. He's up there with one of the greats wow. already yeah. on our show. So we're so happy to we're have you, Chris. We're going to need a new Mount Rushmore soon. We will. Yeah. And yeah. It, could, it could be likely after this that Chris might get on. So, wow. All right. so Chris, great year for you starting out. Thank Basketball you. season has just started, and you are already getting some major minutes. Uh, can you talk about that? Can you talk about like the process of coming into that role and getting to start in some games? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like At first, like um, it was slow to get into it. Uh, you got to work your way up. 
Um, but just like every day, like proving yourself at practice and like waiting for your time. And um, that's just something that like a lot of people have told me, like you gotta wait for your time and you gotta be ready when you get it. So uh, when injuries happen and you got opportunities in the game, you gotta be ready for that. Yeah, definitely. I, I always like to talk about like the next man up mentality. Mm, yeah. And it's always like if someone gets down, someone gets hurt, it's always that next guy. And Chris was that. There there's a couple games where you were just nailing three point shots and the one game I believe you had like twenty two points yep. or something like that. Wanna talk about that just going off and how yeah. how that feels, man. Uh that felt great. Just cause um I mean college is such a different like like way of basketball than high school. So like in high school obviously everybody on my team was like the guy and you score like that many points every night and then just being able to like do that on the college stage was like it just felt like really good just because um i proved to myself that i could do it at this level yeah, yeah. i mean you're getting some tv time now yeah right? <laughs> now chris Heron jr is going to be a celebrity on this <laughs> um jack and i always talk about like when we did the commentary for the providence game which yeah. was Obviously a little disappointing in the end, but what a thriller yeah. that was. Uh, we were talking a lot about the freshman presence on the team with mm-hmm. you, Winston, and Jarius. But at the same time, can you speak to the leadership of the older guys, especially Kai, who you mm-hmm. see you know, helping you out after a play and talking to you during a foul yeah. shot or whatnot? Just can you speak to that? Uh, just having guys that have like been through what we've been through. Uh, I mean, they've played like, I don't know, like more than 60 games in yeah. their career. So by that point, you kind of know uh what's going on through people's heads so like in those situations just having those people like chapman uh who's a fifth year senior Mm -hmm. and uh like kai uh they help us out like throughout the game yeah and you can tell like you're always talking with them and yeah yeah even it seems like after some plays like you and jim christian always exchange a lot of words together yeah he looks like almost like that father figure of the team like you you and him have a special bond already which is good to see yeah um i mean he like no matter what it is, he's always, like, trying to uh, make sure that we do the right thing, but not just even, like, by coaching thing. Like, he wants us to get individually better. Mm. So, like, even when it might not be, like, the right time, like, during the game, uh, he'll make sure that we, like, like remember that. So, I, yeah, you, yeah, you go. I was just going to say, can you talk to us about the feel-good moment of the year so far where mm. around Christmas time everybody's getting gifts from the coach yeah. and then – wait, we don't have one for one person, and it's Chris Heron. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a new special gift. Can you tell us what that was and how that felt? Well, honestly, like, at first, um, someone made a joke, and they were like, oh, you have to get above, like, a like a 2.5. Oh, man. <laughs> to, to get a gift. Okay. So, like, he started sweating. He started yeah. sweating at this and, point. Um, I didn't get my grades back yet, honestly. Like, uh, so I'm just, like, it's going through my head. I had no idea what was going on. And then um, once he said we got a different gift from me, I kind of had an idea because, mm-hmm. like, I knew I was going to get it next year, but yeah. I had no idea I was going to get the scholarship this year. Yeah. Um, and then when they handed me the paper, it kind of took me a minute. To yeah. It, but, uh, I finally got to the point where it said scholarships. So. No, that was one of the best parts, though. You're just sitting there, and we're just thinking, like, either you're in shock or you're just legitimately like, wait, let me just see what this is first yeah, before yeah. I react <laughs> to it. So that was really cool. Um, no. Obviously, feel good moment. We're so happy for that. Yeah, right. that was awesome. It was great to see. And even, like, every game now, like, when you get in, there's a point where, like, they'll show that clip. Yeah, and, like, that's your yeah. thing. So like you're you're already like impacting social media. Like I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying Chris Harris Jr. is like Zion, <laughs> but I will say uh, there's there's definitely a social media presence. And I know with you like having you on Snapchat and stuff, like I always see you posting like goofy dancing videos. You want to talk yeah. about that? Just like what's that's like too? Uh, I don't know. I just feel like um, obviously everybody has like a different side to them that not a lot of people see. So yeah. 
uh, I just feel comfortable with showing that to other people, and I feel like it's just like a funny thing. No, definitely. That's the, that's the stuff that blows up, man. That's yeah, the stuff yeah. that's awesome, yeah. and, and it makes guys so much more relatable. You know, on college campuses, you see, like, football players and stuff where it's just, like, you can't really – you know hang out with them and really like approach them but with you you always just seem like a genuine guy who's just Thank you. you know having fun and just also being in college like he's yeah, yeah, you know you're right. like us well yeah. it just shows that like behind the scenes in the locker room you guys are you know brothers you know, mm-hmm. you're having a lot of fun with each other and that obviously pays off on the court too mm-hmm. you know whether it's a win or a loss if you're that type of your teammates and i know you can definitely yeah. relate to that and it's just awesome to see that i think as well and it's fun you know like you said it's good to see that other side of you that yeah. Not so serious on the court, but, you know, having fun off. Yeah, it. definitely. So to bring it back to the scholarship, can, can you run through after that initial thing, you know, with, with your coach and, and your uh, fellow teammates, what was it like, like, calling your parents and telling them and yeah. letting them know? Can you, can you run through that? Uh, well, they actually already knew, like, a week before that I was going to get it. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, when they, like, called me after, they just, like, said, uh, how did it go? Like, they knew it was happening yeah. that day. Um, but it was honestly just, like, the texts and, like, calls that I was getting from, like, people that I hadn't talked to in a while that uh, that was, like, really special. Just, like, people reaching out to me that I didn't think would. That's, like, the pa- like the power of social media almost. Where, yeah, Like, yeah. the really good side of it because people always talk about the negatives and how you're always looking at somebody's best side and you're getting a little jealous maybe. Definitely. But on the flip side, when you can share something great about yourself and oh, all yeah. these people who, like you said, you haven't talked to in forever are reaching out and saying, that's so awesome, so happy for you. Yeah, that's got to yeah, make yeah. you feel really good, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's, like, obviously there's, like, downsides to social media, but just being able to talk to people and like embrace other people that I wouldn't be able to without yeah. it. Uh, I think that's really special. No, that's really cool. And I, I love the presence you have. And it sounds like your family was thrilled for you. And, and just real quick, like we, we both have seen the 30 for 30 on your dad. It's a truly inspiring story. Countless mm. guys know about it. You know, he visits high schools and stuff. Mm. So has there any been any advice this season from your father uh, coming into college even, not even just in playing basketball, but Along with basketball, too, what that was like, like what yeah. his conversations with you were like. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of the thing was uh, like the, about the timing, like when my time will come. That was really from mm-hmm. him uh, just because he knows what it's like. I mean, he didn't really play in his first full college game until he was like 21, 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was a sophomore after he transferred. So um, just being like a 19-year-old kid, he knows that. Like, it's a lot to put on someone's plate to start playing college basketball, especially at this level. Yeah, um, I mean, definitely. You're, you're already doing a great yeah, job, though. It, it's, in, it's incredible. And yeah. I'm sure he's just as proud as, as we are in the stands. You know, we, we get crazy. I mean, for those of you who don't know, like, we are friends with Chris. We go out to his games, and we love seeing him, yeah. you know, turn up because, like, that as a freshman is cool to see another freshman getting their time and playing, like, along with football last year, I'm sure, with freshmen seeing A.J. Dillon go all yeah. yeah. So really cool stuff coming out. I mean, it goes the same way with even Winston and Jarius, too. I oh, know yeah, yeah. Winston captured the spotlight almost immediately with his flashy mm-hmm. layups. And that kind of got people inspired, maybe not for this season, but in the future. You oh, know, yeah. we have a lot of young talent that's going to develop here with Definitely. Coach Christian. Mm. So I'm pretty sure that's a lot of fun to play with a guy like Winston who can go out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, for just sure. Just make the highlights, make those SC top 10 plays. Right? So, uh-huh. so obviously I feel like a lot of athletes have like goals and set things that they want for a season. And obviously yours came a lot quicker than you had anticipated. Yeah. So what, what are you thinking now? What's your immediate goals and what are you thinking towards like a, a junior year when you have this core group of juniors? What are yeah. you guys thinking will be that future? Um, well, I mean, like, from the beginning of the season, like, my main goal is just to, like, get a lot of, like, a lot more minutes, mm. like, as the season went on. Uh, but I feel like now, like, my expectations are always, like, raising because, uh, I don't know, I just want more of myself. 
and um but i feel like by the time we're juniors we should have like a really tight team mm. like i mean we have a tight team now um but like us three freshmen by the time we're, we're juniors we should have like a really really good bond you were saying about like the players experience uh the teammates you have yeah. who've played already 60 games or more mm. i think definitely and i keep making points of my own here i feel like i'm the basketball player almost but not <laughs> uh but uh when you guys are all playing together, the three yeah. of you, and developing that team chemistry, if mm. you guys have 60 games under your belt, you must have, uh, like, superior expectations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know? Because, I mean, like, um, the older guys that we have now, I don't know if they've played together, like, yeah. all together, that those 60 games, like I was saying. Um, but if me, Jarius, and Winston, like, were together that whole time, yeah. I think by then it should be, like, a, a pretty fun team. That's an exciting thought right there. Yeah. yeah. For real. Is, is there anything as a rookie that they make you do? You hear all the time about, <laughs> you know, rookies getting hazy yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, being the guy. I, I know, like, some guys in the NBA, like, they get, like, popcorn in their I was going to say and, that, too. Yeah. They have to pack in, like, peanuts there's or whatever. The yeah. one, someone has to get, like, Joel Embiid, like, Chick-fil-A or something. Oh, like, yeah. 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 So is, is there anything like that for you? Oh, we actually don't, uh, which I was surprised about because I was expecting that yeah. coming in. Um, but, like, I know, uh, like, other teams do have that. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, that's great for you. I, I'd like to see someone, yeah. again, to bring up Zion, like, tell Zion to, like, you know, clean their stuff or something. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, when Chris, when you guys are upperclassmen, you could maybe make your own list yeah, we'll there. Make, yeah, we'll make something up. Have some fun with it. Yeah, for sure. So have you have you had that first in-game dunk yet? Has that come yet? Uh, no, I haven't. So um, are, what, are you, what are you planning for that moment? Is there anything special? All right. What's well, most likely going to be like a fast break because right. um, it's going to be pretty hard to do it any yeah. other time. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> Maybe, in the maybe get a little Vince Carter, like yeah. we'll raise the roof or something. Yeah, a little flexing. Yeah. I don't know. But, but you always, whenever you come out on the court, it, it's just like you ha you bring a certain energy and mm. it seems like you're ready to go. So is there any type of like pregame ritual or along with like pregame music that you yeah. go to? Like what's your go-tos? Um... Like, who do I listen to? Who do you listen to? And if there's anything, like, that gets you in the mind state before yeah. a game? Um, well, I pretty much listen to, like, the same music, like, before every game. Uh, like, just, like, all rap, pretty much. Um, but I don't know. I feel like, uh, depending on the game, definitely, if there's more people, I'm more hyped up. And uh, that just depends on my energy. So, that, I, I mean, that's play. awesome. I mean, it, it's like some guys, you know, they... They see a crowd and can get nervous, but it feels like with you when we're all cheering and there's a lot more, like you get into it. Oh yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh wait, I don't want to cut oh, no, off no, your no, point no, there. No, sorry, I, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I know Jack was talking about this before the show, but let's hear your Mount Rushmore rappers, maybe, because I think now's a good mm -hmm. time to ask that. So who's your top four? Um. I don't know, like favorite to listen to. I'm yeah, not asking yeah, the yeah. best of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah favorite yeah, to listen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite to listen to, like top four, would probably be uh, Young Thug is my number one. Okay. Uh, I like Gunna. Sure. Okay. Uh, Lil Baby. And then the last one is pretty tough. I gotta think about that. I, I know I see I know I see you dancing to Uzi a lot. I feel like yeah, yeah, you're probably, a big Uzi guy. Yeah, yeah, Lil Uzi probably. That's but I mean solid. he hasn't put out a lot of music lately, so True. hopefully soon. All right. gotta, well, I'm basically going to have a shout-out to all of those rappers right now, if they're listening, which they should be, um, <laughs> that Chris Aaron Jr. backs you, and you should back him. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll, I'll do my my Mount Rushmore real quick. Yeah, yeah, so, so I'd probably say favorite to listen to that would get me hyped before, you know, a little pickup basketball. Yeah, I'd probably say, like, Drake, yeah. J. Cole. Okay. Uh, I'd maybe throw in... Kendrick, like like some hard Kendrick, not like some sure, like smooth. Sure. And then like old school Eminem, like you throw on Cinderella oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, and I'm I'm going off. Man. Oh, yeah. 
Now I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. All I know is Playboy Cardi and any song will oh, get yeah. me hyped up. So I'm just going to throw a shout out to Playboy Cardi. Yeah, I'm so not doing the top four. Yeah. You should be listening to it. Right? I got your back. So, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm awful at FIFA. Okay. I, know, I know Chris is pretty good. I, I've heard he's pretty good. I don't know. I'm, I haven't played in a while. <laughs> so I, I don't really know how this works. So like, what's your like go-to team or club? I don't know. Uh, it's soccer. <laughs> I always play with PSG and okay. never any other team. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So three. if you're listening to that, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got your back. Mbappe, Neymar, that's <laughs> here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Aiden, what about you? I don't know. I always like mixing up. Big Ivory Coast guy in the international. They're just yeah, fast yeah. as hell and it's just fun to play with. But I've been playing recently and I'm getting beat up by Dan and Daniel in our room. <laughs> and it's just like... I don't know where it went. I'm rusty too, yeah. so I need to pick it up. You got to play with a fast team. Though. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. Liverpool's fun. Liverpool's yeah. a shout-out. Yeah. Fast pace. So to close out here, uh, we, we've had a lot of fun with you today. Me too. Uh, really, really just want to hear, so your last game, what was, was it Louisville was your last game? Or? Yeah, Louisville. So... Now you're going. Who, who's our next matchup? Florida State yeah. tomorrow. Florida State. So that's big. Florida that's State defense either, yeah. is big. Is there any uh, anything that has been heard in the locker room from Jim Christian about advice going into this game? How you know you can try and take down this team and stay in it? Because a couple games you guys have had that leader yeah. gone on that run and lose it towards the end. So yeah. what's the what's the current motto and motivation going into it? Oh uh, well, we just got to be consistent because we'll have runs where we look like one of the top teams in the ACC mm-hmm. and. Um, but then we just lose it for like 10 minutes and we can't do that in the ACC because every team is on their A game every game. Uh, but against Florida State, they're a really fast-paced team and um, we just got to be consistent. We got to stay calm and um, just make the right decisions. So the no-fly zone. It's always on ESPN. It's like Florida State. Yeah. No-fly zone. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh, man. You can't make mistakes against Florida State. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, th- I think you guys will be fine. I'm excited to get out to that game. Oh, it's sure. going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, let's hope the snow doesn't impact. Yeah. It's yeah, a little yeah, chilly yeah. up in here yeah, in Boston. Yeah. I think this is the first game, ACC game, with like all students back. Home True. Game. I yeah. think so too. Yeah. So maybe this is the push you guys need. We we're gonna come out and really show this team some love. Yeah. Um, and most people when they come on our show uh, end up being very successful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tony Reale is on ESPN, so he <laughs> yeah. ended up being very successful. <laughs> Sean Belby. Yep. Sean yeah. Belby. Duke got that win. Or sorry. Syracuse beat Duke. Yeah. Syracuse beat Duke. So highest battle, dude. All I'm He's saying. Sick. All I'm saying is w- it's within 24 hours, so I'm expecting <laughs> like. 23 points, okay. if not, like, 50. So, Chris Aaron dropping 50 points. Already here first. 20 rebounds. <laughs> two assists. It's a quiet assist <laughs> for Chris Aaron Jr. But, uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming out. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to have you on again soon. Oh, yeah, sure. of course. Good luck, man. Thank you.